Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us for the Weekly Standard is Steve Hayes. And Steve, you have a magnificent and yet tear-inducing story on just, it's not just that the Clinton team is corrupt, the Clinton family, but that they're so blatant yeah. about it. And you start with a story from, I knew nothing about, from when Bill Clinton was still president. What happened? Yeah, it's a, it's a great old story um, that was actually reported in, at the time by the New York Times. Um, people seem to have forgotten about it. Um, back when Bill Clinton was going into his final year of his presidency, his team was putting together this sort of legacy building trip. What can we do? Circle the globe. How can we you know, right. do ceremonial things, cement uh, allies and, and, and alliances? And uh, they included this trip to South Asia where no U.S. president had been since 1978. So it was a big deal. But immediately it was obvious and, and the cause of some uh, discussion that they had left Pakistan off of the itinerary. They were visiting India, had planned to spend a couple days in India, but had not Right. Uh, set up a plan to visit Pakistan. In any case, this was debated in the media. The New York Times commended them for skipping Pakistan sure. because there had been this presidential coup that brought Professor Musharraf to power, et cetera, et cetera. And it looked like the White House wasn't going to go. And then there was a fundraiser held in Staten Island um, for Hillary Clinton's Senate Oh, campaign. that's right, because n- not Bill, but Hillary Hillary. was running for the United States Senate. Running for Senate against Rudy Giuliani and in 2000. And who would imagine that just eight short years later she'd be running for president <laughs> yeah. in eight years? Of, yeah. Who could have anticipated <laughs> right. any of this? So unpredictable. So anyway, they, they, uh, there was a group of uh, Pakistani-American doctors who really wanted President Clinton to stop in Pakistan on this trip. And they had planned, sort of vaguely had discussions about plans to put together a fundraiser for Hillary Clinton with uh, a a bunch of other ethnic groups. They were going to do sort of a combined thing. But then they thought, if we can do this just with Pakistani-American physicians and and friends, it's called the PAC PAC, Mm -hmm. um, maybe we can influence her. So they put together this fundraiser. The Clinton team said they'd have to raise $50,000 to get her to show up, which they confirmed. They did. She showed up. She said in her remarks at a private home uh, on Staten Island that she really hoped President Clinton would, in fact, visit Pakistan on his trip. And then just a couple weeks later, the White House announced that President Clinton would, in fact, visit Pakistan on his trip. Now, look, we should be careful to say, uh, and the New York Times reported this at the time, there's no evidence that what she did directly convinced the president to change his mind. But I think if you look at look at the entire sequence of events, it, it certainly was it was it was noteworthy enough to get the New York Times to pay attention. I wish that my wife were as gullible as I'm supposed to be following the Clintons, just because she was naked and in the bed, and there was cash on the table, and I'm pulling up my pants, and we're leaving a no-tell motel. Doesn't mean that any—do you have actual pictures of actual—I mean, that's, this is the ridiculous standard that we're being magically held to. No, it is not uh, omniscience, you know, uh, a divine omniscience. Right. We know what we know, and right. this is not that Well, hard. we know—I think that's a very good point. We we know what we know, or at least we know what we think we know. We know what the, the, the evidence suggests, the circumstantial evidence suggests. But I think if you move forward now from 2000 to what we've seen more recently with the, the Clinton Foundation and the kinds of things that Hillary Clinton says, we don't have to rely on supposition and inference. We can look at the things that she has said directly in her own words. Right. 
and show that she's been blatantly dishonest. I mean, the, the, the comment that she made in July, and this is close to an exact quote, but not the exact quote, was something to the effect of there's absolutely no connection between what I did as Secretary of State and the Clinton Foundation. Mm. There are connections galore. I mean, she, we know for a fact that she took meetings because Clinton Foundation sure. people weighed in and said, you really ought to take this meeting. Mm. Um, we know for a fact that her chief of staff in June of 2012 traveled to New York City to interview two prospective new leaders of the Clinton Foundation. And and what makes this all so remarkable is just how brazen they were exactly. with this. I mean, this was the key issue in Hillary Clinton's nomination hearings. Um, this was what generated the most questions, the most controversy. Mm-hmm. And she said she's going to take every step possible to separate her work at the right. State Department with the Clinton Foundation so that there wouldn't even be the appearance of impropriety. Well, here you have appearances all over the place, so many appearances that I think no, it's no, fair no. to it's conclude. It's impropriety. I mean, once again, I'm not going to pretend that I don't know what I know. I'm not going to pretend that uh, a big company wanted to contract to North Africa, that big company gives a big check right. to the Clinton Foundation, and they get the State Department to clear that contract in Africa. I mean, it's just, right. I mean, I think if you saw a couple hard. of those, you, you saw a couple of those, you would say, well, that could have been mm-hmm. coincidental. And look, as a reporter, I mean, I've, I've tried my very best mm-hmm. to not let my conclusions race ahead of the evidence that I have in front of me. Having said that, I mean, you have enough of these incidents Certainly a pattern emerges. Uh, So this is what's interesting to me is talking to people who are going to vote for Hillary Clinton, talking to my friends who are uber lefties, and they all acknowledge – they don't even try to deny it. It, it, We've reached a point with Hillary and corruption that we were at with Bill Clinton and Monica – Right around the time of impeachment, everybody, no, nobody was still holding right. out the oh, you didn't, you don't know for sure. He could have just been mentoring her right, right. with his pants off under uh, the desk. Uh. You know, everyone knows she's a crook, but it doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter in part because of partisan. You know, Democrats are going to be Democrats, Republicans are going to be Republicans. But let's be honest; it also doesn't matter because the alternative is Donald Trump. Exactly right. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people, and I'm I'm talking, you know, largely independents or, or moderate Republicans, who said, I can't believe I have to consider voting for somebody I believe is a criminal, right. somebody I believe is a serial violator of the law and as a creature <laughs> of corruption, and she might be the better alternative. There are so many people, I think, in that um, in that space, and it's borne out by by polling. I mean, you look at the very unfavorable numbers for both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. They're extraordinarily high. I mean, he's above 50. She's, I think, in the high 30s. And, and this is not just unfavorable or slightly right, exactly. unfavorable. This is very unfavorable. And her honest, and there was another new Fox News poll out, I believe, this week, uh, where her Honest and trustworthy numbers, it was something like 29% of, of people thought she was honest and trustworthy, which still seems insane to me. Like how many – where are those people? Are they all in a coma? How Look, could you come to that conclusion? There are uh, Weekly Standard podcast listeners who are going, why do you even talk about Trump? Just talk about Hillary. You just made the case he's a crook. Why can't we just focus on the crookery? And I, when I'm in these conversations, I try to explain, look, even if I wanted to, even if I said, look, I'm just to pretend Donald Trump doesn't exist. He does. And he yeah. is he is a roadblock right in the middle of the conversational highway. And about the time you're ready to jump on the look at Hillary's criminal behavior, boom, he shows up and says Hillary's a bigot and starts right. another argument. Do you see? I mean, and, and, and sort of half flip flops and then half flip 
steps back on right. on his signature policy issue. Right. right. No, look, I mean, you know, our friends, I think our friends at the Washington Examiner had a 25 minute interview with uh, Ann Coulter this on video over at WashingtonExaminer.com. And it is just brutal, not because there's any meanness, but just it, the day her book comes out yeah. is the day. <laughs> The book is called, like, In Trump We Trust. Right, it is. And that's the day that Trump announces, I cannot be trusted on immigration. Yeah. And you felt sorry for Anne, you know, whether you like her eh, or not. Maybe not. Well, I, I cause, <laughs> Because, you know, what can you do? I mean, the book is out. Well, what can you, know, you what can you, you know what you can do? Not write a book called In Trump We right, Trust. I mean, true. the problem wasn't Trump fl- flipping on immigration on this specific policy. The problem is putting your trust in Donald Trump. Yeah. And, boy, what, what horrible or exquisite timing, depending yeah. on few of the world. Well, I think just to go back to your earlier point, I mean, it, it, it's I think to a certain extent, sometimes people misunderstand maybe not what we do, but certainly right. what I try to do. I mean, I don't view it as my I'm not on a team. I'm not wearing a, a jersey. Um, you know, I find Hillary Clinton detestable. I've mm-hmm. spent the better part of seven and a half years reporting on her tenure as secretary of state, what she did afterwards, certainly spent a lot of time on Benghazi. Right. I've written extensively about what I think are her pretty clear lies throughout the presidential campaign. Uh, I think it's important to, to put that out there and let people make uh, come to whatever conclusions they want to come to. But that doesn't mean that I then have to, on the other hand, shill for Donald Trump right. or suspend my beliefs because – Donald Trump, because in some people's minds, this is a, a binary choice. I don't view it as a binary choice. I think it would be intellectually dishonest to pretend that I think what Donald Trump is saying and doing is legitimate or helpful to conservative mm-hmm. causes. I understand people who say, well, you know, you've you, you got to make a decision between two and I can't possibly vote for her, so I'm going to end up voting right. for him. I get that. I, I understand the reasoning there. Mm-hmm. But that's very different than, you know, doing what I do for a living and mm-hmm. and saying, okay, therefore I'm not going to call Donald Trump when he's being an idiot. When you uh, talk to people on Capitol Hill, when you talk to people who are you know, in the legislative business or in influence legislation, were they even aware of this alt-right thing before? And do you think that the theory that it's, it's so fringe that it won't have any impact on voters because it's just, you know, it's almost like two, it's like trying to link Trump to Alex Jones. Who the heck is Alex Jones? If you don't listen to your ham radio in your basement, you have right. no idea who he is. Or do you think that the things that Hillary was able to list in her speech on Thursday were just so unacceptable to so many Americans that Trump is stuck carrying this? Well, I don't think a lot of legislators would have I would have been able to give you a, a, a comprehensive description of alt right and what's right. meant by alt right. Having said that, they all would have given interviews to to Breitbart.com, mm-hmm. which I think has become, I mean, it certainly wasn't what Andrew Breitbart sure. left Absolutely. us originally, but has become sort of a voice of the alt-right. Right. I think at the direction largely of Stephen Bannon, who's now running Donald Trump's campaign or, or helping to run Donald Trump's campaign. Um, so so I think that, you know, in that sense, it's, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. Um, you know, I don't know that her speech will be tremendously influential. I think what she was trying to do was otherize Donald Trump to make him say you – know, to make people right. look at Donald Trump and say, I don't care what my views are uh, on policy, on sure. you know, Medicare reform, on these things. I'm not that. You know, I'm, not, I'm not that. And you know, the, the, the Breitbart headlines that she read, I mean, they were appalling. <laughs> Some of the things that Donald Trump said, it right. is appalling. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, conservatives don't like to hear that. I said something nice, but I said I thought her speech would be effective to the right. extent that it mattered. I thought it would be effective because for precisely the way that she framed it. Although, having said that, you do wonder 
having listened to Democrats do this cycle exactly. after cycle after cycle. I mean, remember Mitt Romney was killing people because he was sort of pro-cancer. Right. Uh, and, you know, there were comparisons and to Hitler. And he's also sexist because he tried to recruit Binders women. of women, what, but, right. Yeah, Scott exactly. Walker was Hitler. I mean, exactly. you do, you know, remember the, the, the NAACP ad. This is, I think, in the 2000 George election. W. Bush. George W. Bush. Yes. Where they dragged somebody. That, mm-hmm. uh, was they, it James Byrd? That's right. James Byrd was killed. He was dragged behind a truck. He, George Bush signed the execution order for one of the drivers and was still accused exactly. of being So you have, I mean, this is this is sort of what Democrats do, what they've done forever. I think it will have more resonance this time because in those cases, I think it was absurd. I mean, nobody, nobody might disagree with Scott Walker on reforming public education uh, and, and public unions. You probably don't think he's Hitler uh, unless you're a loon. But, you know, the, sometimes she was quoting Donald Trump's own words here. Uh, it's hard for Donald Trump to run away from Donald Trump. And I don't know how many uh, podcast listeners who don't live in swing states know it, but the ad, air, the airways, for example, in Virginia, before she, I think they may have pulled their ads now because they're so far ahead, but they were all ads of Trump talking. Yes. That's all she's running yeah. in, in Ohio and in Colorado. So, although she, I think she pulled there too because she's so far ahead. She pulled but Colorado and Virginia. Yeah, so I right. think she's now to the swing states of South Carolina and Utah. I'm not sure <laughs> Georgia. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, but the ads all feature features Trump's words, and that's why I want to ask you the key question. It's a question I asked our good friend Bill Crystal on the Crystal Clear po- uh, podcast over at podcastone.com. You should check that out. Can Trump still recover from the 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 accept? Am I acceptable choice problem? Or has he reached the point, particularly as this alt-right stuff bakes in the next couple of weeks, where it's not even going to matter? The, the, the conversation will basically be over for so many suburban white Republicans who are going to say, I'm just not voting for the, I, I can't vote yeah. for the racist. And yeah. they won't even be talking, they don't care. Hillary could show up, you know, with, you know, whatever, you know, holding the head of Vince Foster in a bag. Right. And they're going to go, yeah, 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 I can't vote for the racist. Or do you think he can still turn the election around and make it a referendum on Hillary Clinton? So, I mean, let me rephrase the question and answer the one I prefer to answer <laughs> slightly. Uh, can Donald Trump still win? I, I'm not I, – I can't say that he, that he is a certain loser. I think he's far more likely to lose than he is to win. I've thought that, you know, for a year. Right. Um, but, you know, none of us really trust our gut as much because sure. of what we saw him do in the primaries. Having said that, this is a very different electorate. You're talking about 128 million people. Mm-hmm. The primaries, you know, he had, what did he have, 16 million votes right, for like him that, in, yeah. the, in the primaries. So you're talking about a very, very different electorate. And I think um, Hillary Clinton having the financial advantage that she does, having been running ads in these swing states and new swing states for as long as she has been. I mean, her ad spending, I saw a chart last week, her ad spending from her own campaign was in the neighborhood of $60 million that she has spent on ads. The groups supporting her had spent $43 million on ads at that point. Donald Trump had spent at that point zero dollars, like not a penny on ads hitting Hillary Clinton and groups supporting Trump had spent something like 12 million. Right. So you're in a situation, particularly in the swing states, those, some of those are, are national buys, where Trump is being outspent 10 to 1 mm-hmm. or more. And, you know, it's just hard. You know, I think people sometimes inflate the uh, effectiveness of television advertising. But that's a lot. At at a certain point, 10 to 1 really does matter. So I think that that's a huge advantage for her. And, And then also the fact that Trump has virtually no 
organization, get out the vote operation. I've talked to senior Republicans who are for Trump and haven't even been approached in various swing states. I mean, these are people who are sort of sitting around twiddling their thumbs, ready to, to go work for them right. and aren't even being asked. And then the final point I would make is uh, the tremendous advantage that she has with the news media right. uh, who are determining you know, what to cover and what not. I mean, reporters, particularly political reporters, are sort of in a perpetual state of outrage about Donald Trump. And a lot of them don't like Hillary Clinton. I mean, I think they're ideologically closer to Hillary Clinton, but they don't like her personally. They want her to do press conferences, all these other things. But when you put those two next to each other, reporters are going to to choose Trump, I think, nine times out of ten, maybe more. Well, they were going to choose that anyway. I mean, we saw it with Mitt Romney where they went back and dug up, like, stories from his high school. Did he bully a kid? Yeah. But the difference is that Trump, you don't have to dig up anything. You just have to watch your Twitter feed and check your email box and Trump will say, here, hit me in the face with this today. Well, look, and I mean, you know, there were some some people uh, who were warning about this in the primaries and said, you know, the media love Donald Trump now while he's beating up on conservatives. They're going to hate Donald Trump when he's beating up on somebody they agree with. 95% 95% of the time. And and that's that's obviously what we've seen. So at the end of August, you say the election isn't over, but it's looking tough for Donald Trump. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and, and the only reason I say it's not over is because, you know, you could have this kind of external event. You have Julian Assange from WikiLeaks threatening to drop more right. damning emails about Hillary Clinton and what she was doing. You know, I... She, Anything is possible with Hillary Clinton. I mean, nothing is sort of beyond her, and there's very little that would surprise me. Um, so, does he drop something that you know that is essentially disqualifying? See, this is where I think we are: is that people would look at that and go, "Oh my gosh, that's absolutely horrible." Then they would turn and see Donald Trump and Steve Bannon, you know, at the alt right mixer and cocktail party, bring your own sheets, and they'd say, "No." And they'd go right back to the, let me see the crook yeah. again. No, you might, you might be I right. Just, I, mean, I just think that Donald Trump has managed to disqualify himself. He's just, he's just done. He's just, people are just done. They're not going to revisit the brand. They're not going to say, oh, I didn't know that about Trump. Right. What? He, he had a paper route as a kid or whatever. His position on Social Security is what? I, just, I think that they, every day more and more people are just going, okay, this one's done. Let's move on. Yeah, I think that's right. Although, uh, you know, I think, you know, I try to imagine what that could be. Like, what would be the email? I mean, is, yeah. is there an email? Would there be an email exchange that that included Hillary Clinton that was erased with this bleach bit technology, right. which permanently erases everything <laughs> that Hillary didn't turn over? Right. It clearly looks like she didn't want to include it. Right. That you know has has an obvious uh, State Department move benefiting some nasty dictatorship in the Middle East I'm t- and contributions to the Clinton Foundation. I mean, unless you've got an email saying, "Yes, I know about Benghazi, but I'm busy right now." Let them figure it out for themselves. Good luck. Unless you've got that. Unless you've got. Yeah, we had emails these, that were close. <laughs> yeah. Leave the suitcase full of cash under, you know, yeah. the back in the back of the El Camino when Bill leaves the hotel. Unless you've got that, people just it's not going to penetrate the wall of Trump. You should you come know? up with something a little more far fetched. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Hayes, thanks so much for joining us for the Weekly Standard Podcast. We appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. In fact, you can find us on iTunes and subscribe. And while you're there, subscribe to our other terrific podcast products as well. Our friend uh, Eric Felton and the gang do a, a kind of a wrap-up of the magazine in the Confab, which is at podcast1.com and on iTunes. And also the new Crystal Clear podcast at Podcast One and iTunes as well. I'm your host, Michael Graham.